Welcome to the House of Mourning. Hey there, I'm your host, Joelle Coteau Willard, and this podcast is a space where my guests and I explore the raw, unfiltered truths and inner knowings we tap into in grief and in life after loss and trauma. We reject societal norms that condition us into bypassing and fast forwarding through the work of healing. My personal desire to normalize grief is the result of my own healing journey, having lost my father at the age of 33, and most recently the death of my second son late term in pregnancy. For those of you that find yourself in grief, recalibrating after loss or healing from trauma, I honor you. Perhaps you are here because you are navigating supporting a loved one who is grieving or on a healing journey. If so, way to show up for yourself and them. Wherever you are on the journey, all of you is welcome here. Hey, amazing beings. Welcome to my first ever podcast episode. My name is Joelle Crito Willard, and my pronouns are she, her. I want to begin by acknowledging the land that I'm podcasting from and residing on, which is stolen Blackfoot territory called in Blackfoot, Mokinsis in Treaty 7 territory on Turtle Island, which is also known as colonially, colonially, Calgary, Alberta, Canada. The Blackfoot Confederacy have been the keepers of these lands for thousands upon thousands of years. And as Julie Black sang recently, we have built our homes on stolen native land. I am a white settler whose family settled on Treaty 6 and Treaty 7 territory only just over a hundred years ago. My family history is one of settlers who have benefited from colonialism as all non-Indigenous people do in Canada today. I want to thank all the traditional knowledge keepers and elders that have come before us and that are still with us today. As I lay the foundations for this podcast and the space, I want to be clear that I acknowledge the genocide that to this day is still taking place against the Indigenous people of this land. And I do so as an act of reconciliation and of my commitment as I learn how to be a treaty partner in order to take on my own responsibility in and towards truth. And reconciliation. I also want to share that the intention behind this space is that it be welcoming and affirming for all folks, be it members of the two-spirit two LGBTQIA plus community, anyone who is gender diverse or trans, this is a space for you. As I say in my intro, all of you. Is welcome here. And so those are some baseline values from which this foundation has been built. 
And with that, I want to move into what this first episode is about. This episode, you're going to hear what can you expect in this space? What will you hear here? What is the goal of this podcast and space? What kind of guests are we going to be having on? What was my inspiration for the house of mourning? And going into the driving agenda behind this podcast. I hope you enjoy it. Welcome. I'm Joelle Curto Willard. The House of Mourning is a creation of mine that is so, so dear to my heart. It is a space where I get to be raw and I get to invite other people to be raw and real alongside me. One thing I've noticed in my healing journey and in this thing called life is we don't have a lot of spaces and places out there in society, out there in the world, where we can allow ourselves to truly just be where we are at. One of my biggest inspirations for this podcast was a quote. It's actually a quote from the Bible, which is ironic because I haven't read the Bible. I'm not a religious person, nor am I a Christian. However, this, this quote really spoke to me. The heart of the wise lies in the house of mourning. And it's from Ecclesiastes. Now, what really hit me about this quote, which is what inspired the title, was the concept of the wisdom that comes from grief, from loss. And I've included trauma into that as well. My background is that I've worked for a decade in the realm of personal development, emotional intelligence, transformative type experiences. And the irony of it all is that the most transformative experiences of my life have been in grief and loss and sprinkle in a thick layer of trauma too. And what I've become so aware of in my own experience with my all three of my grandparents I only knew three out of the four my one grandfather passed when my father was 18 and so early on in my life all three of my grandparents passed which is fairly common and when I was 33 years old my biggest grief was that my father died very suddenly in the span of essentially 21 days, just under a month. He went from, I think my dad's fine. We had no idea he was dying or was going to die to he was gone. And so that was my first big, big loss, major, major soul shaking loss. And then my second was in May of 2022 which was when I lost my son late in pregnancy, my second child, Julian Wayne. And so 
in my grief journey, in my healing journey, as someone who's experienced what we call out of order losses, not that it's even really about that aspect of it. However, in being entrenched and thrust into a grief and grief journeys, it's become my experience that with the loss of my father and with the loss of my son now, I've been able to, as a result, and not that I'm happy about it or like it's a prize or it's something that, yay, I'm excited about. No. However, I've been able to connect with a deeper, deeper source inside of myself. One that the only kind of name that I can give it is wisdom. And it's not as a result of me doing anything. It's a, a result of me going through these moments that I was never able to go back to who I was before. And so in that process, that's literally the definition as I know in my practice of transformation is when you think of a butterfly or you think of the the metamorphosis process, a butterfly can never go back into its cocoon. And, you know, the irony also of the butterfly and its transformation is there's so much attachment to the beauty of that as a metamorphosis and the transformation and the butterfly and all these things. And yet it is truly deeply a painful process where, you know, at one point the larvae or, you know, what have you is like, you know, a pile of mush and guts and I mean, it's ugly, you know, and yes, coming out the other end, there's a transformation that takes place. And so the only reason I bring up that metaphor is because it is not lost upon me how transformative losing my son particularly, and yet also my father, these deep, deep moments of pain and anguish and heartache and sorrow and and recalibrating after loss and that process of discovering who I am after having lost my father and now my second child. It is showing up for me as wisdom. And it's this inner knowing that I've been able to connect with within myself that the guests that I'm going to have and that I have had on this podcast for you to listen to, there's very big spiritual knowings and pieces of wisdom that myself and my guests have been able to pro- to process and to experience as a direct result of something that myself nor them, neither of us, you know, none of us ever wanted to experience. And yet that is our life. And so my passion for creating this space and what you will find in this space is a place where we can truly talk about where life meets death, where 
you know, we look at things like there's a lot of studies around PTSD and something called post-traumatic growth. And, you know, it's a very delicate line to dance. And yet, I think it's a very important conversation. And so the house of mourning is, is about unpacking things that we've been able to remember, reconnect with from a deeply spiritual place, from a larger life perspective of our biggest learnings from these experiences. And I, I hesitate I, in this space, you know, I'm deeply aware, I'm, I'm almost hyper aware of how much toxic positivity is like thrust onto grievers and survivors and trauma, you know, um, tr- very traumatic stories, right? Of like, society is like, we're rooting for you. And like, you're going to be okay. And you've got this and it's all going to be worth it in the end. And everything happens for a reason. And, you know, wow, think of all the great things that are going to come from this. Like, you know, there's just a lot of things that we say to people in grief after a loss or us as human beings having going through trauma that is life that is so unhelpful. And so this is a space where we don't deal in the bow. We don't go and like, well, what's the silver lining? Well, where's the bow that we can put on this? Like, that's not what this pot that this is the, we're not going to find that here. It's quite the opposite here. We are being with the truth. We are hearing it. We are calling it in. And we are holding it. And so it's the practice of witnessing grief, witnessing other people's grief, being with and becoming holders of grief. You know, I say very openly, one of my agendas is to normalize grief. Grief is such a misunderstood and dejected and rejected life experience. We live in a grief phobic society. We have become conditioned out of feeling, A, the feelings in general, and B, healing through grief. Grief is viewed as weak. You're sad, you're weak, you're just lumped in with illness. And yes, there is an overlap, right? If there's grief here and there's depression here, there's a circle in between in the middle where they do, there's a lot of overlapping symptoms. And yet they're not the same. And yet, you know, it's like grief is thrown in to the taboo and the stigma and the faux pas and, you know, the uh, like type ick that society puts on 
mental health issues, which are already so unhelpful, you know, and the irony is from my worldview, the depth and the understanding that can come from feeling and being in a process of choosing to heal through your grief and move through grief and acknowledge it, not only acknowledge it, however, work with it and to be in it, not to stay in it or to get stuck in it. However, to be in it is I think it's, there's not enough value placed on this as a process. In my worldview, it is a sacred process. It is where death and life and birth meet, right? Life isn't just living, right? It's birth and death. And sometimes they coexist on the same day or in the same 24 hours, like with my son. My son died at 8.02 on May 16th, and I gave birth to him at 2.25 on the 17th of May, you know, And, and such is life. And we're not coming from a perspective of like, oh, well, you know, let's just like, well, this happened for you. And, you know, this is like, oh, yay, all the amazing learnings and like goodies that we get to go through now because we lived this loss. And now it's going to mean all these great things. Like, that's not what we're doing here. What this space is about is hearing from grievers, hearing from people who have gone through life-altering trauma, hearing and being with people as they live and have lived X amount of years or days, you know, months, whatever their journey is, after loss. And leaning into, okay, what is their experience and what are the things that maybe aren't being shared openly about grief loss and trauma because there's just no space to do so readily available out there in the world you know and so I mean in this journey I went to you know chapters And I was looking for something for the home with my partner and I turned and all of a sudden it was like the death and dying bookshelf right next to the grief and loss bookshelf. I kid you not. I almost fell down. Like I was just like, I I had my hands on my head. I was just like looking around, looking at those sections, looking around, going like, this can't be it there's nothing here there's like maybe 50 books in chapters like what is this just like the preview of these sections or are these oh this is the these are the sections that's it 
And a lot of, you know, my top books are behind me from, you know what I mean? And to, to, to look at the guarantee slash the only guarantee, you know, people, people jokingly say, right. The only guarantee in life, taxes and death, death and taxes. Now, I mean, the truth is, you know, fraud isn't a life choice that I would want to go with. But technically, people still evade taxes. <laughs> you know, I'm not wanting to do that, but that's sometimes a, you know, a choice for people. They choose that. However, death and inherently grief and inherently loss, right? Specifically, there is no escaping that. We are mortal beings. And so knowing that a guarantee, a guarantee, technically the only guarantee in life is that people are going to die around us. And then eventually our time will be up on this earth. Now, whatever you believe around that is all welcome here, right? If you believe in reincarnation, if you believe there's nothing else, right? We're worm food. If you, you know, whatever you believe around that, it's welcome here. Okay. And, and yet there's this deep, it's like a terror barrier when it comes to this conditioning that we get. I'm going to say stuck for lack of a better word, however, stuck in. Okay. Or that we get to live in, which is that happens to other people. And I li I've lived that firsthand. Hearing about some of my friends whose parents had passed away. I never once thought I might lose my father at 33 years of age. Never. I mean, based on results... The way that my relationship was with him when, he, when, when my father died, it was very evident that I was banking on having more time with him to work that one out. And I had not encountered much pregnancy or infant loss prior to losing my second child. However, I had encountered some. And again, never once, even when it was right in my face, did I ever think that that could happen to me, you know? And maybe it's the survival in us. Maybe it's a healthy part of our brain. I don't know the psychology behind it. However, what I know is the thought, this bubble that we create around ourselves unknowingly of that is what happens to other people. I lived it too. Right. And this podcast and embodied wisdom from grief, loss, and trauma is about reconciling 
and my journey and other people's journey to reconciling, wow, this is my story. And I have a choice. I can be quiet about it. I can be silent about it. Or I can tell the truth about it. And here, we tell the truth. And so, yeah, I mean, it's uncomfortable. And what I believe a lot of our journeys are on this planet is around emotional intelligence and emotional capacity building. And what I know to be true, what I believe to be true in my experience as a griever, that the people who have done the most work in their lives around building up their resilience, emotional resilience, building up their emotional capacity to be with hard things have been the ones who have been the most supportive, truly helpful, and able to lift and help carry some of this deep, deep, heavy load that I've been living. And I don't think that that's a coincidence either. And at the same time, I don't believe that it's anybody's responsibility you know, people owe me to be there for me. Absolutely not. We all have our things. We all have our journey. And a lot of the times our capacities are too thin, too low, too stretched to show up for people going through really hard things. I know in my grief, I wasn't able to, I mean, I'm, I'm a year out from the death of my second son and I'm still not able to really hold much for other people. I'm just like starting to, you know, come up for air. And with my agenda of normalizing grief and my desire to to encourage and to create spaces that I call that I learned from a Ted talk that I, that I saw um, once was around grief informed spaces. And so whether or not you are in grief, whether or not you know me because you know me or you know me because you found me on here, you know, is this is a place where we get to be candid and you will hear the truth about things that work for grievers, things that don't work for grievers, how to be a better community member, how to show up in a more productive way and connected way to people in your life who may be in grief. If you're listening here and you're here as a community member, because what I'm learning is grief is a community puzzle, right? It takes a village to support. And I believe that that is the roots of grief rituals and mourning practices 
you know, in the Victoria era, Victorian era, people walked around men with like armbands on with a gray color or purple color, whatever it was. And, you know, grievers, especially women, that you were in mourning clothes for years. There was an outward expression of it. Wholly welcomed. You put a certain kind of wreath or like bow tie or, you know, whatever the symbol was on your door. So everybody, you know, walking by knew, whoa, okay, this family's in mourning. This family's experienced a loss. And there was value to that. There was value to telling people about, you know, hey, I'm in mourning. And we're going to be exploring also, you know, what is grief and what is mourning and how can grief manifest and what does it look like? And, you know, the whole journey, what does it look like for other people? What are different kinds of versions of it or experiences of it? We're going to be having experts on here, therapists, grief and loss experts, grief and loss practitioners, people who truly understand trauma and how, you know, it's like, this is your brain and this is your brain on trauma. <laughs> I mean, I'm a, I am a freak for Gabor Mate. All right. And so there's just so much for us to dig into here. And I truly hope that you learn something. I hope that you feel something more than anything else. And I hope that this being in this space and participating as a listener, a very valued and valuable listener, that you can become better simply by being in this space and hearing the truth that isn't readily available because people don't feel like they want to be this open and raw because it's most of the time not welcomed. One of the things that I became very aware of also, and this was new with the loss of my son. I didn't feel this way. I cannot say I felt this way with my father. When my father was dying, well, I didn't know he was dying. However, you know, I was providing updates to the community. I was on his Facebook page. I was going out of my way, giving everybody the update, you know, da, 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 da. When he died, I wrote from his Facebook. I wrote a lot of things, you know, every time I share things about my father, I get a barrage of comments. Every time I talk about my experience of his death, dying, you know, I've always felt like zero questions, zero hesitation talking about my father's death and my journey in it. However, that was not the case when my son died, when I was six months pregnant with him. What I felt when that happened was this was a whole other category of taboo. Oh, Hmm. 
pregnancy loss? Hmm. A baby dying? Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Not really what we want to hear about. And that is a consciousness that I became very, very attuned to. And I thought of, you know, the more that I learned about the actual stats of pregnancy and infant loss and how often it does happen versus how open we are allowed, quote unquote, to be about it. It was astonishing. It was shocking to, to think like, this doesn't add up. People just must not be talking about it because this is much more common than we are conditioned to think, right? Birthing people, right? The agenda in society is like productive, reproductive. Let's get it. We're constantly pressuring people like, get out there. When are you going to have kids? Everybody should have kids. There's all these assumptions that we put on people. And this pressure, societal pressure to procreate. You know? And there's so much more to the picture that is not disclosed. And so that was really, it felt just like an inner upheaval inside of me of like, I can only talk about this. Like, because of how aware I am that probably the large majority of society would prefer if I didn't talk about my baby dying at six months of pregnancy and how horrifically traumatic that was for me and my partner and our living son who was two at the time, right? And that whole, as a process, you know, it it just became, it was like, I was propelled. I was, it was, it was a catalyst for me, just like becoming crystal clear that I was going to talk a lot about it and I was going to share a lot about it, you know? And so that was a very interesting contrast as well and so there will be pregnancy and infant loss included in this podcast this is not a pregnancy and infant loss solely focused podcast however know that as someone who has experienced pregnancy loss i we will definitely be welcoming what we call lost parents we've coined the term ourselves, loss, L-O-S-S, loss parents, parents who have experienced a loss of a pregnancy or infertility or there's a million kinds of different kinds of losses. So, you know, so that's something to keep in mind as well. And so whether or not you are someone in grief, in initial grief, in, you know, any other stage, wherever you are, Right. I have guests on here where they lost their person 30 plus years ago. 
Okay. And so it's, it's all about, you know, different experiences of embodied wisdom after grief, loss, and trauma. And so whether or not you're a community member, you're here because you know that, you know, equipping yourself and educating yourself and working on that capacity building is something that you put a value on for future reference for your future self and community, right? For future versions of your partners and friends as they might lose people. I am so honored and grateful that you're here. And one of my favorite sayings is all of you is welcome here. And so with that, I will leave you with this intro and sign out until next time with the house of mourning. <laughs>